Who is going to mess with Shaq? Hello and welcome to episode number 156 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about tribes, the tribe, perfection, shack, and a whole lot more. I was just listening to the Hog Story podcast with our buddy John Fletcher and Carolyn Blaney, who welcomed Adam Curry, the podfather, this week for a very interesting conversation. And one of the things they were talking about was tribes and how there's a whole bunch of tribes now when it comes to podcasts, when it comes to all sorts of different things. For people that like a certain show or people that like a certain band. And it seems that the world is maybe becoming a little bit more tribal now than it had been. When it comes to media, it makes sense because we're no longer living in a world where people get all of their television, mainly from three main networks ABC, NBC, CBS, and yeah, Fox is also kind of in there. But that started to break down when it came to the time of cable television. But now when it comes to what people are going to for their media, there is a much larger group of people that are listening to things like podcasts than are tuning in to any kind of mainstream newscast on a daily basis. And I think. Part of the reason for that is because you find somebody that you can relate to and it's their content that you then gravitate to. I've talked a lot about Bill O'Reilly, who was once on the big bad Fox News channel, now doing his own thing over at BillOReilly.com. And it makes sense. This is why guys like Tim Pool have such a big audience. People like Ben Shapiro, Glenn Beck, although Beck is on the radio, I think Shapiro's got a radio show now as well. But people gravitate towards the personalities and communities quite often arise based upon those personalities, those different shows. A great example, of course, is the community that has jumped up around the No Agenda show which has been around for 14 years now. But this concept of tribalism, I keep trying to break this thing down into whether it's a good thing or whether it's a bad thing. And I think it can be both. And of course, when you're talking about tribes, I couldn't help but think of the Cleveland Indians who, after 106 years, have now played their final home game in Cleveland as the Indians. 
next year they will be the guardians which is just so much more of a woke name isn't it one of the many reasons my interest in baseball has waned massively over the last few years to the point that this year in 2021 have not watched a full game i think i've seen a grand total of about two or three innings of baseball this year and the team that i root for the chicago white Sox, is in first place so that tells you just how much major league baseball has lost me by changing a bunch of rules by just making the game horrid by getting way too woke and i just simply don't care anymore and there was a time that i really did although since this is episode 156 i figured i can talk for a minute about mark burley who is one of my all-time favorite baseball players and the fact that i was at the ballpark back on july 23rd 2009 when Mark Burley pitched the 18th perfect game in Major League Baseball history. That, to me, was the ultimate live event that I ever attended, including you know all concerts, all sporting events. That day, that afternoon, absolutely, without a doubt, number one. And I knew after that game, that it was never going to get any better. It was literally all downhill from there when it comes to enjoying a baseball game because Mark Burley, one of my all-time favorite players, did something that only a handful of players have ever done in the history of the game and probably was never going to do again, did not. And from there, it's all okay. It's entertainment. but there was nothing better that was going to come from a baseball game for me. And that's absolutely the reality of how it's gone over the past year since 2009. It was interesting looking back at that game and there were some details that I had never run across before. One being that Burley, like a lot of baseball players, have a little bit of the uh, superstitious gene in them where they like to do things the same way, especially for pitchers on the day that they pitch. They have a routine and they feel like if they break that routine, something bad's going to happen. You know, the baseball gods are not going to be on their side. You need to do everything right in order to succeed on any given day. Well, Burley, I guess, always went to a local gas station on the way to the park and picked up a Rockstar energy drink. And he realized about 10 minutes from the ballpark that he had forgotten the drink. He even uh, texted his wife and said, oh, forgot my drink. I'll definitely lose today. Then he gets to the ballpark and rather than the main catcher on the team, AJ Perzinski being in the lineup card, Ramon Castro is scheduled to catch him. He is the backup catcher they had just gotten a couple of months before, had never caught Mark Burley, but it was a weird day because it was a day game. 
and there was a uh, doubleheader the next day and there was a night game the night before. So it was a schedule. They were just trying to get some people some rest. So it was a, a strange lineup that the White Sox put out there. And the story is that Ramon Castro went out to figure out the signs with Burley before the game. And it's like, okay, you got a, a fastball change up, you know, cutter. And Burley's like, well, you know, I have a curveball too. <laughs> I mean, it's really bad when the catcher that's going to go out there and catch you doesn't even know you throw a curveball, but there was magic in the air that day. And Mark Burley again threw the 18th perfect game in Major League Baseball history. The game went on with pretty much. Very little excitement when it came down to defensive plays for the White Sox until the ninth inning when Dwayne Wise went up against the fence, made a fantastic catch to save a run, save a hit, save the perfect game. And the rest, as they say, is history. So it's sad to me as somebody who has followed baseball for so long that all of a sudden you're not going to have the Cleveland Indians. I remember going to Cleveland back in the eighties, a huge ballpark, (laughs) almost no fans in the stands, but they turned it around, had a long run of years of a bunch of sellouts, a longstanding history. But now after 106 years, no, you can't have the name Indians because that is somehow offensive. I'm glad the Chicago Blackhawks are still standing tall and saying they are not going to bow to all of this politically correct crap. And hopefully they continue to do so because myself personally, I don't see how it is negative to have a name like the Indians. I don't see how it's negative to have a name like the Blackhawks. But we're living in a society where some very strange things are happening. The United States was supposed to be the melting pot. I'm sure everybody's heard that at one point in their life is the United States takes people from all over the world and they become the melting pot. Everybody living together in a society that rises above and allows people a much greater chance of success, much more freedoms than other places around the globe do. But what we have now seems to be going backwards. When diversity moves itself into segregation again, as it once was in the United States, I don't know. I'm torn and I understand some of the arguments being given on both sides. But if the United States is a celebration of cultures, do you really want to start segregating things? Is this just divide and conquer all over again? Separate but equal was a bad thing when it was going on the first time. But here we have it an ultra liberal university. Western Washington University in Bellingham, Washington, is now going to be offering segregated housing. The fourth floor of the Alma Clark Glass Hall dorm is now what they're calling Black Affinity Housing. 
It is the latest school to do this, which is segregating students by their race when it comes to the dorms. And they add to the list of American University, Stanford University, the University of Colorado at Boulder, and Cornell is other schools doing this, according to an article on the Fox News website. In April, the university hosted a webinar. (laughs) Yeah, let's have a webinar claiming that the new segregated housing gives students, quote, the opportunity to live in a shared space with others who have a shared marginalized identity. The program will explore and celebrate the diversity of black and African-American people and culture with historical and contemporary context, according to the program's website. And this is where you start having some issues. And there are people that are arguing both sides of this. But when you start separating people based upon their race, for any reason, I think you're starting to lose the battle. I think you're losing sight of what makes the United States unique. I get it. People want to be around others that are like them. That is the most comfortable thing for anybody is to be around people that are the most like them. And that doesn't necessarily mean the color of your skin. It could mean what football team or baseball team you like. It might mean what kind of music you like. Most people, I mean, if you're really big into country music, you'd feel right at home at a country concert. But if you walked into a heavy metal concert, you might not get along as well with the people in that crowd because you don't have as much in common with them. But Where do you grow the most? I mean, I thought college was a place people were supposed to grow, to learn, to have their worldviews explored, have everything explode, be able to sample things of all different sorts. And if you're going to college as a black student and you're never going to interact with other cultures, then I think you're losing out. There's something to be said, though, for the freedom, and this is the one argument that I can't really fault, which is if you want to not interact with anybody that's not like you, should you be able to do that? Should you be able to say, well, no, I don't want to be around any of those white people, any of those Asian people, any of those people, whatever. I just want to be in the black dorm. Should that be okay? Sure. It's an interesting thing because I've been noticing lately at major shopping sites like Target, you'll see shirts that, you know, Latina pride was one I saw the other day. And I've seen shirts, black pride, and that's all fine and dandy. And nobody wearing a Latina pride shirt or a black pride shirt, nobody's coming down on them for wearing that. Now, if a white guy is wearing a white pride shirt, well, then he's a racist douchebag. But, you know, if you're black and you have black pride, that's great. If you're a Latina and you have Latina pride, that's great. I don't understand where the line gets drawn to where something's okay 
for one group of people, but then it's not for the others. So the people that are applauding the fact that there's a blacks only dorm and say, yay, well, then shouldn't it be okay to have a whites only dorm? And if we're getting to that point again, has anybody really learned anything? Is this good for either side to make a very clear statement, which is, you know, the blacks don't want to live with the whites. The whites don't want to live with the blacks. So can't we just keep them separate? It doesn't make sense to me. I think it's a bad thing. One interesting comment was, well, you know, the Greek houses for the sororities and the fraternities. Well, that's basically just white housing. So, I mean, I'm not aware of this because I was never in Greek life. So I never really paid any attention. Are there no blacks in Greek life? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> reach out. Let me know. Do they just be like, I don't have time for that, which I didn't have time for it. So maybe that's the right choice overall. But there's also housing for the LGBTQ. There's certain housing that is only for athletes or, say, business students and that kind of thing. So people are making the case, well, you know, it's OK because we could have dorms that are specifically just for the athletes. So why not be able to separate people by the color of their skin like that's the same thing? It's not. I don't see it as the same thing. And I think that you don't have the best experience that you can going to college if you're just going to go along with things that make you comfortable. And that goes for everybody going to college. And I don't know why all of a sudden for these liberal universities, they think it's a good thing to segregate these students based upon their race. I don't understand it. There's plenty of things you can do on campus. There are plenty of ways to explore all sorts of different things. And if you want as a black student to be involved in black activities, if you're interested in embracing your culture, that's great. But when you're then excluding other races, when you're excluding the concept of even living around people because of the color of their skin, which is also the case that can be made here. I mean, if there was a whites only dorm, the whole left would be up in arms like, ah, they don't want to live near black people. Well, isn't that the same thing here? How is it not? It's the same thing that you can wear a black pride shirt, but you can't wear a white pride shirt. You can have a blacks only dorm, but if you have a whites only dorm, they're a bunch of races. How isn't it the same thing? That is not equality. That is not treating everybody the same. It's a very slippery slope when you start treating one group differently based upon nothing but the color of their skin. And we're seeing this happening now more and more with very liberal institutions, which tells me a lot about what these liberal institutions stand for. And it is not something that I would be proud to be a part of. Now, another really tall guy named O'Neill, who is not proud of being in a particular group, is the one and only Shaquille O'Neal, who wants out of celebrity culture. And I cannot blame him for wanting to be excluded 
from the insanity that is celebrity culture. He says, quote, I denounce my celebrityness today. I'm done with it. I don't want to be in that category. Celebrities are crazy. They really are. Don't call me that anymore. These people are out of their freaking mind with how they treat people, what they do, what they say. That's never been me. I never want to be looked at like that. And like we were just talking about with the tribal nature of things, Shaq says that people often get stereotyped. Celebrities no different, but people get stereotyped. And he says, quote, all of my life, everybody probably gets stereotyped. But us celebrities, we get stereotyped because most of these celebrities are out of their mind. I don't do that. I'm a regular person that listened, followed his dreams and made it. I came from nothing, but just because I made it doesn't mean I'm bigger than you. I mean, Shaq, you are. You're way bigger than me. You're way bigger than most. The dude is massive. He says, I'm not bigger than you, smarter than you. Just because I have more money doesn't mean I am better than you. I've never been that way and I will never be that way. So I don't want to be in that category of people. When they talk about Shaq, what do they say? He's a nice guy because what else can you be? You're either nice or you're the A word. And I definitely won't be looked at as the A word. I want people to say, bro, he's nice. He didn't have an entourage. His people didn't take my phone because I took a picture and throw it, which, uh, yes, Shaq, that is absolutely true. LeBron James. King LeBron. Somebody dared take a picture of him not too long ago and got roughed up by his security. So I think this is absolutely true. LeBron comes off as a total jerk, but Shaquille O'Neal throughout his career, I can't remember ever hearing anything bad about the guy. He does a lot of charity work. I mean, he was in one of those movies with a bunch of cartoon characters. So, I mean, of course, he's big and he's lovable and he's Shaq. But he also supports law enforcement. He's done a lot of work with law enforcement. So I can see that he might not want to be surrounding himself with celebrities that are out there or with that moniker as a celebrity, because as we've been following along, over the last few months, there's a lot of celebrities who are into this whole defund the police, anti-police. The police are bad. And that has never been Shaquille O'Neal. He goes on to say, quote, I try to tell people I'm a real model, not a role model. Everybody makes mistakes. When I make a mistake, I want you to learn from my mistake. I probably won't make a purposeful mistake. I may make an accidental mistake, but I try to be as respectful and righteous as I can. Times are different. You can't say things like you used to say. So, yeah, of course, he's referring to cancel culture now. People utter one wrong word, whether it is verbally, could be in jest, could be to your buddies, could just be a joke. And you'll get canceled. It could be the wrong word you used in a tweet. Could be a wrong thing you said that made it onto social media in one way, shape, or form. And it is 
instant judge, jury, and executioner from the woke mob that is active on social media. And I believe Shaq is absolutely right that you don't want to look up to these people. You don't want to make them a role model. You can look at somebody like Shaquille O'Neal and say, hey, this is a guy who started with nothing and became very, very successful through his hard work and dedication to his craft. It's the American dream, which I've never understood the amount of musicians, athletes, actors and actresses that started from nothing, made millions of dollars by doing what they do because of the capitalist system set up here in the United States, and then turns around and tells us all how bad it is to have capitalism. To all of them, I've been saying the same thing for a long, long time. Give away every penny that you've made. And then I'll start believing you want socialism. And then I'll start believing you want this kind of stuff. Until you do, you're just blathering on words without any meaning behind them. Don't say anything to me. Show me with your actions that you're behind something. And then I can take you a little bit more seriously. And I do take Shaq very seriously because he's a guy who seemingly is one of the good guys and maybe it's easier to be one of the good guys when you're as big as Shaq I mean who's gonna mess with Shaq if you run across this guy in the street you're not gonna want to take a swing at him you're gonna be very nice to Shaq because he's one big dude but everything that I've ever seen about Shaq and I know I'm not a big basketball fan I've talked about that for years lately not really into sports at all But I've always liked Shaq because he's an O'Neal. I mean, I know we look a little bit different, but that's okay. He's a guy that is bringing honor to the O'Neal name. And I like what he stands for quite a bit. One group that doesn't really stand for anything, of course, is the New York Times, the once greatest newspaper on the planet. Now, just spew liberal lies, including the most recent in a long, long line about the Border Patrol agents on horseback that were whipping the Haitian migrants. They came in. They finally had to change it. That's how bad it is for The New York Times. They actually had to make a correction. But NewsGuard, which is an establishment that rates news sources based upon their trustworthiness. They continue to give their seal of approval to the New York Times, even after they spread the hoax story about the Border Patrol agents. Of course, it seems that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris still repeating the same old lies because, you know, they could point to the New York Times who printed those lies. So I don't know. I only have heard of NewsGuard recently because my buddy Gene pointed them out as well uh tim pool only uses news sources that uh are news guard certified well seems news guard certification doesn't really mean crap if they are not going to ding places like the new york times for spreading lies and misinformation now facebook 
a company we've talked about quite a bit, as well as their sub company, Instagram. We recently talked about some internal documents from Facebook that showed that they knew things like Instagram was toxic for teen girls when it came to things like body image, how many kids in the United States and in the UK had considered suicide based upon things that stemmed from Instagram. Well, Facebook has now decided to halt development of Instagram for kids, which was something that they had been working on. I believe I mentioned that at one point as well, which is like, you know, it's bad enough. Once kids hit a certain age, they're using all of these social media sites. And legally, a lot of them are not supposed to be on them until the age 13 due to COPPA laws here in the United States, which is why Facebook was looking to skirt that by getting accounts that even younger kids could have without taking personal information, which is the problem with COPPA, is that you cannot ask for any information from somebody under 13 years old without parental consent, which is why legally kids aren't supposed to sign up for all these services. But then again, who's going to get punished if they do? This version that they were working on, the Instagram for kids, would have been ad free, which I mean, that would have been good. And the interesting thing, which I was unaware of, was that it would also allow parents to monitor what the kids were doing on the app. So now I'm torn about the mothballing or death of this product because I actually think if done correctly, and that's always the hardest part with all of this stuff, but in a perfect world, if you don't think that kids are going to be easily able to get around these kind of hurdles, This would actually make a whole lot of sense for parents to let their kids dip their toe into a social media platform while being monitored. Meaning, if an adult has to sign up for the account for the child and then is able to monitor everything going on on that account, I think that could be a good thing. I know there's a lot of people like, ah, that's horrible privacy. Well, if you're a kid under 13, you don't get privacy on the Internet. There's a safety concern, which by far trumps a kid's privacy. And the parents let them know when they're setting it up. Okay, little Johnny, here's your Insta for Kids account. Everything you do, I'm going to be able to see. I think that's a great way to get kids started on the social media platform without parents having to be worried that somebody's going to be trying to groom their kids or be sending them direct messages that they don't know about. And I think that would actually be a really good thing. But how do you make sure that this then doesn't get used in wrong ways, in nefarious ways? And that's where the slippery slope starts to fall apart. Maybe. But I kind of like the concept that if parents could set up kids under a certain age, that they can monitor everything they're doing, then 
that would make sense. Apple's already dipping their toe into making something like this happen. We've talked about that when it came to messaging and having a scanner that determined if there were pictures that were maybe unsuitable for work, you know, nudity, that kind of thing being sent from or to your kid's account, that Apple would be able to monitor that and let you know. There is some of this technology that can be used for good. The problem then becomes that it could probably also be used for evil. And the bottom line is, if you have children, you probably don't want them on the Internet until they absolutely have to be. And you realize you're not going to have control over anything they do. So you need to have that conversation with them. Warn them about the atrocities that happen on the Internet each and every day, and hopefully you send them out into the cesspool that is the Internet prepared and understanding what people are going to try to do to take advantage of them, to try to get money from them, to try to do all sorts of bad things. So parents, be interactive with your kids. Don't just turn a blind eye to it. Don't just assume that they'll figure it out and everything will be okay. With these devices come great responsibility. And as a side note, with October just hours away here, this is the time to start your Christmas shopping. If that's something you do, it is now time to begin. I know. I normally hate when they rush the whole Christmas season in used to be, they'd start playing Christmas music in the retail joints. And that just made me want to blow my brains out, but we are living in a strange time. There are a lot of strange things going on in the world. And with the weird shortages of all sorts of weird things going on with all of the news about ports being overrun, not enough workers to unload the ships when they come in. If you're going to be doing some Christmas shopping, do it early. Be prepared. I'm usually a last minute person. I always figure, hey, Amazon can get it to me in 48 hours. Well, I can wait to December 22nd to start doing my shopping. Not this year. Get it started early and don't run into problems with not being able to get what you want. With that said, we do work on the value for value model here on the Random Thoughts podcast which means if you got any value out of this show, it's up to you to go to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com slash donate. Click that donate button for a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal. Use the QR codes or wallet addresses to do the crypto thing or use the P.O. Box address to go check mail order, whatever you want to do. It's all very much appreciated. For today's show, we don't have anybody to thank, but that just means you can come in. On episode 157 coming up next week, come in at $157. How great would that be? Support the show. Make a donation in somebody else's name. What a great Christmas gift that would be. Well, I mean, it would be a great Christmas gift for me, for the person you're giving it to. Like, hey, I made a donation. I was going to give you something, but I sent it to this guy that does a podcast. I mean, they'd be happy. So maybe, you know, if you got somebody you don't like that much, great idea for Christmas. Give them a donation in their name to the Random Thoughts podcast. I will be back next Wednesday to talk with you once again. Thanks for giving me your time. Thanks for hanging out with me. 
I know there's a lot of things you could be doing, and it's very much appreciated that you're checking this show out. Turn a friend or 12 onto the show. That would be appreciated. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 